This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. The biggest, the biggest icon in podcasting. It's here. Welcome in, everybody, to the latest edition of Doc and Jock. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. This is episode 400. And it's amazing because I literally remember what we were doing two years ago when you came in and we lined up all the cups and we played beer pong and we had a good old time. (laughs) So I still have some of the alcohol and I'm still going to town, baby. And this is why I love broadcasting with Adam, because this is a, a signature episode. This is episode... 400 of the podcast we started in 2013 and Adam's got this sheet and he's like okay we're gonna roll from this to guest from this to that (laughs) and in my head I'm like yeah we're gonna sort of follow it but really because of the fact that you know we talk sports all the time and we break it down today is more reminiscing and shit talking and really just hyping up the shit that we've done now for eight years so I love your attention to detail. It really makes things smooth. But by and large, I just want to take a few moments to pour some whiskey, take a shot and say, hell yeah, baby. I want to cheers to you, my man. You believed in this and you stuck with this and uh, you've been here for 400 episodes, vacations, shit, kids, marriage. So to do this with you, it, um, it could be nothing better. So now eventually we figured, okay, maybe now that people are doing Zoom, we got to incorporate some video and, uh, you know, technology into this more than we've we've done before. But I'm toasting to you. This is episode 400. And, and look, you know me, it's DOC. When Michigan gets eliminated, it's fucking time to celebrate, baby. Cheers to that. Jawan Howard. I know he made you happy sitting on your couch at 1030 going, this doesn't look like the team I've watched for the better part of four months. Eliminated, baby. That's what happens. I'm sorry, baby. Welcome, baby. What's going on, cuz? I wish I would have knew that that this is kind of uh, the, the format and the way you wanted to go. I would have a drink in my hand right now. You I came I came prepared. I've got I've got a coffee cup. I've got a, I've got a water. I've got no booze in my hand. I, I didn't realize. You. Shame on you. Every celebratory time is not a time to be breaking down the stats and looking at Jared Goff getting his 17th game check. <laughs> it's all about the fact that we've lasted this long. Nobody's canceled our ass. Literally, yeah. that's something to celebrate. I'm going to cheer. I mean, I'm this is why, this is why we own the company. Nobody can cancel us. We own the company. No, but in this day and age, with some of the things that we've said uh, and done and uh, the way people react to things, we could be called every ism in the book. And and every is in the book. But thankfully, people know our hearts. They know our intentions. They know that when we started this thing back in 2013, the reason why people like us is we're just two relatable guys having a good old time shooting the shit, talking sports. And we just made some goals and tried to, you know, enhance the product and, and, and do better with each week that we did it for. So for 400 episodes, this shit's crazy. You think that, you really think this would last this long with me? No, no. I mean. If you go back to the very first, not the first episode, but I think it was probably that first month, maybe the first two months that we were doing this, there were numerous times where this whole thing almost fell apart, whether because I wanted to kill you or your head just got too big or it just any reason 
imaginable. The computer that we were using, the way we, that we were putting all of this together. I mean, we were conducting interviews with one microphone and we would take turns sitting in what looked like it was like an elementary school chair. And I don't know if you remember, like, if you remember the, uh, I, we're, we're going to have Dennis on later. I think Dennis was one of our very, very first episodes we ever did, but it was either Dennis or it was Mark, the man Wilson. And we just kept rotating, just no taking turns, asking questions. And like, we would have like hand signals so we could cue each other when we were going to take turns to ask a question. It was, it was absolutely nuts. The fact that we've made it this far, to be honest, we sound this good. And to, to put out as many episodes as we've had, is absolutely crazy it, it's, yeah, it's nuts it's been crazy the whole way around and then just think that you know you've parlayed it into jobs and in radio me with a blog and covering uh, uh the lions with sports illustrated and things like that so it has gone a long way in putting ourselves out there and growing a twitter following where people after games whether they're happy whether they're sad whether they're livid excited they, they know that there's a place where fans can come and support their teams and have a good old time with it. But we're going to have Vito on first, okay, in about five minutes. I do want to get your sense first. How mad are you really at what happened? Because I truly believe, you know, obviously being a Spartan supporter, I was one of those people that was absolutely thrilled to see Michigan go down in that manner. But they played well enough to compete, but Juwan Howard and the rest of the team did not do – well enough to advance from an elite eight to a final four. You got to step up. You got to have moments when you get multiple opportunities to take a last minute shot and you miss and, and you draw plays for those players that are not playing their best brand of basketball. Michigan, quite frankly, deserve to lose. They deserve to be eliminated by UCLA only scoring 49 points. I think you, me and Vito could have went out there and dropped 49 points in 40 minutes. That was a game that assaulted your senses. If you're a, a college basketball fan, that game was absolutely brutal to watch. It wasn't fun. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, you should be disappointed in your team. I, I was absolutely pissed. You had numerous opportunities to win that game. You you have, what is it? I think it's 15 seconds left about. Uh, you get a timeout, you draw up a play, and your play is Mo Wagner taking a, or I'm sorry, uh, Franz Wagner taking a, a, a three-point shot that was poor at best. And, and the guy couldn't get going all game long, but he's the one you're going to trust with the ball. It, it made no sense to me. And then you had Mike Smith driving down the court. He really could have just drove to the basket. Worst case scenario, you get fouled and you go and you, you try to make two foul shots to 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 win the game doesn't do that ends up pulling up for a, a three-point shot that really didn't have a, a chance you you end up getting another stop you get the ball back and you, you take another bad three-point shot and your three-pointers weren't going for you all game long you know you were winning inside the paint uh you had uh you you had your big man who could have made a couple of free throws to help win the game. Didn't happen. I mean, you had numerous opportunities to win this game. I thought Michigan was the better team. I don't think they played like it at all. 
Uh, I don't think Juwan Howard did a good enough job coaching this team. You were basically stymied by USC zone. We knew going into this game that any chance to win, they had to muck it up and they had to make it ugly and they were going to roll out a zone. You couldn't have come up with a, uh, some type of a game plan to, to, to beat a zone. Was it Joe Junis, Juwan's, Jay Juwan's, whatever. He was the only thing that they had. He was the, he basically carried the entire UCLA team and, and, and they crushed you. With one guy. Oh, you have to respect everybody named Johnny. Johnny Juzan, baby. Yeah, there you go. Johnny Juzan. And obviously, he was the best player on the court. And he rolled his ankle. Yeah. He had an opportunity to get back in it when he rolls his ankle. But missed free throws, just lack of execution. And really, bottom line, you have to have those special moments and a little bit of luck to be able to advance from an elite eight to a final four. And I just really believe that, you know, Juwan Howard, I think, and you can't blame him. This is his first time in this situation. Remember, this is his first appearance in the big dance. And you realize that when Wagner shot that there was still 10 seconds left in the game, there was still time for uh, Michigan to shoot, to get the ball down to Hunter Dickinson to still make a play. So We'll talk about this with Vito here in just a few minutes. But in my opinion, I think Michigan will learn from this. I think that this is something that has to fuel Jawan Howard. But bottom line, you have to be you have to be fair. And Jawan Howard did not put his uh, team in the best position to win this game. And Franz Wagner at least hit the rim, my man. Hit yeah. the rim. Dude, he was he was struggling all game long to get going. Uh defensively played okay, but on the offensive side, man, he was he was a, a giant black hole, like provided you with really zero offense all game long. It was uh, it was pretty frustrating if you were a Michigan fan. Speaking of a Michigan fan, there he is. There What's he up, is. Vito? Vito, I'm good, home. guys. I'm doing you know, I could be doing better. If Michigan would have won last night because they should have won against UCLA. Right. I mean, clear cut, fellas. But I'm glad to be along with you guys and especially you, Adam. Especially you, Adam. Let me just say that okay. to start off here. OK, first of all, I'm going to let you guys in on something. OK. You, you don't see any timer. I upgraded the Zoom so we literally could have 300 people join. No time <laughs> limit. I upgraded. I paid the yearly fee just so that we can do this more often because I, I missed you guys. After a year away, I felt like, you know what? This is an opportunity now to get the band back together, the original three that took this thing forward. And for those of the people that don't know, Vito is one of the rare people who took a chance and direct messaged me. And I at first thought he was some creeper that was going to send me inappropriate material. And I said, bro, I don't do Wang pictures. You know, you guys, I'm not into all that. I don't do any of that stuff. You know, I'm married happily. I don't do that stuff. But then Vito's like, no, no, no. I just want to have an opportunity potentially after I graduate to do a podcast. And look what he did with it. He took an opportunity and look, he stayed and he, and he was loyal uh, to a fault. And uh, with that, he's been able to host numerous baseball podcasts, get credentialed in the media, uh, become a columnist in the Oakland press. So for a guy like Vito, it's really the true story that, hey, if you get in touch with the right people and you work hard and you impress the two bosses, you know, if, if Adam would have said, dude, Vito sucks, we got to let him go instantly. You would have been gone, but you lasted this long. Why the hell did you stay with us? Are you crazy? You literally must be crazy. You know, you're, you're talking on a, on a, on a random night with a guy drinking whiskey, really irrelevant talk here, but you stuck with us, man. And, and look, 
bottom line, we've rode Vito hard. I mean, he nah. he, he takes no, a grunt. not we you no we we <laughs> rode Vito hard. We're a, we're a family. We own we own everything. <laughs> yeah, so together. I'm gonna throw you into it, Adam. But it's really John. Come on, we all know that. It's but but Vito, listen, guys. Honestly, you're watching this. I'm recording this on purpose. Vito is a testament to what you're supposed to do, which is laugh it off, give it back and have a good old time with it. Not take it all personally and cry. He cries in the background off camera, but <laughs> bottom line, Vito, give you the floor. You're a, definitely a hall of fame member of the family. You're part of the family. I'm toasting to everything tonight. So I'm refilling glass number two to our guy, Vito. Appreciate having you on, man. It's good stuff. You're on episode 400 of this nonsense. Well, let me let me start with this, okay? I think it's really a credit to you guys and your work ethic, too, for where you started this in the basement of someone's home. I mean, like the typical podcaster, right? At least back in the day, it was that person that lived in someone's basement or in their mom's home in their mom's basement, right? But you guys have built it up to where it's a legitimate entity, hugely credible, I mean, John and I, and all of us collectively, Adam, as you know, have been credentialed media at Tigers games, what, Pistons games, Lions games now. And and we do so much now with the Detroit Lions, yet it's with the whole entire Detroit pro sports media landscape, right? And then collegiately speaking, too, with U of M and MSU, and, and we're in there, we're around it, we're all over it. And you know what, do I regret it to this day that I joined John, though? Sure. Hell yeah, I do. I regret because of John and who he is and who he, but no, realistically speaking, everything here for me has been, I mean, really good. I took a chance on you guys as much as you took a chance on me. I know you took a bigger chance on me coming out of college, but you didn't know who the heck I was, right? Or what I would be made of and what my work ethic would be and that kind of deal. But you guys, and I give you credit once again for taking that chance on me. And I know it was both of you, not just John, who would love to take all the credit. And all the love. And all love the love. to take all the credit. I know it's about you, too. And you gave me the chance as well. Gave me the green light, per se. So I'm you know, still, you know what? I, I, I want to lift the veil a little bit. I want to. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. I don't know if we've ever had the... I don't know if it's ever just come up. And I don't even think the, 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 the listeners know. So I, like John said, the way that we got introduced to you, Vito, was you direct message John brought us to your college radio show. And we did uh, we did like a one or a two off with you at, on your college radio show when you were at U of D and uh, shout out to U of D and shout out to Oakland uh, being the first two colleges to really give us a chance to, to be credentialed media. So you end up bringing us in. We have a, a really good show with you. And you had a, you had a crazy cast of guys that you did a show with. It was fantastic. Uh, still follow a lot of those guys on Twitter. A lot of them have a lot of interesting things to say. It's great. But from there. Me and John were talking. We're like, well, how do we grow this? How do we make this bigger? And I said to John, I said, hey, we've got to get more voices. We need more people. We need different shows. You were the first person that we both thought of. You were the first person that we were like, well, what about Vito? And you were like, yeah, let's do it. I, I, I want to do it. And you basically took the ball and you ran with it. It was your show. You could do whatever you wanted to do with it. Somehow, John was able to butt his way into your show. Oh, he got on. He made sure he got on. He could. Come on. Come on. He had to steal some of the limelight. That's John Charles Macaroon. Come on, man. I do like baseball. I'm a, I have an affinity for baseball. It's more my speed. You know, a little bit of older. Yeah, he sport. pretends he likes it, Adam, as you know, to be on the airwaves even more. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Doc, but you were, you were the first guy that we like. thought of to, to give a show to. And um, you you took it, you ran with it, and you've done you've done great things. And it's been an honor to to watch you grow, develop, 
to really kind of step out and, and, and become your, your own person and really put your own mark on, on the Detroit sports landscape. So it's been, it's been fun and, to watch. Vito. And cause he Thank is you. a branded member of the Michigan family. There's only a handful of people that can rock a, a, a Michigan blazer with the you block M Vito is you one of what? those guys. It's almost like it's creepy now. This guy still brings up, I got that Valiant suit jacket like eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still love it. I still have the jacket. I just never wear it at this point. And, and not because I'm not proud of U of M. Now, U of M football is a different story. Oh, there's but so hey, J- Juwan Howard. Now, I know Adam is a fan here. John is not. But Adam, how impressed are you with Juwan Howard and what he's done with that U of M program so far? So I'll be honest with you. When he was hired, I wasn't 100% sure he was the right guy. I wasn't sure he was the right fit. Blown away by what he's been able to do recruiting, what he's been able to do with the guys on the floor, uh, the way he's been able to to handle massive injuries to big-time stars of his program, and then to be able to get this team to an Elite Eight. Now, I wasn't very impressed last night with his coaching. I wasn't impressed last night with his his play calling when he had multiple chances to win that game uh, in the final seconds. But all that being said, Overall, blown away by how he's been able to kind of step in and do such a fantastic, phenomenal job with that program. And, and I think you would agree he's done a, a, a pretty solid job uh, kind of picking up the, the reins from John Beeline and then kind of getting it to this point where this team is it is a blue blood. I think you can say that now. W- would you not agree? Well, four straight sweet 16s. I mean, come on. And a lot of it is what John Beeline built, right? He laid the groundwork, per se, mm-hmm. right? And now Juwan Howard has taken it maybe or will end up taking it to another level. I know people are jumping to that conclusion already about Juwan. And he made an Elite Eight, very impressive, in a COVID season. But let's see him make a Final Four or make a national title game. You know, John Beeline made the national championship game twice at U of M when U of M was what? Just dead, right? Like left for dead with Tommy Amaker and had no resources. Nobody was going there for basketball. And now it's a hoop school. Forget football. It's a basketball school first at this point. I mean, everybody yeah. loves Juwan Howard, and nobody loves or even likes Jim Harbaugh, it seems like. So I, I get all the fandom, all the love right now, all the support for Juwan. But I still want to see him, like, make a deep run now. Outside of this, obviously. This was impressive in this season where they weren't ranked to start the year. But let's see now moving forward, the next three, four, five years. Because, you know, people want to bash. Because I'll give some credit and some love to John's guy, Tom Izzo now. I mean – you know, he had a couple of rough years there, but he's rebounded, made a final four with Cassius Winston. This year, they still made the tournament, weren't even that good on a down year, made the tourney and have this consecutive tournament, you know, appearance streak going on for themselves. So at least he's made it, you know, he's sustained the success. I want to see now what Jawan Howard can do moving forward in terms of being able to sustain that success too. Now, yeah, Vito, how, how just much- like Lego blocks, you got to build and, and you got to yes. build going forward. John, before you get to your question, I, I do want to ask you, and I want to bring you into this because Vito laid it out nicely. Michigan is now a basketball school. It is nowhere near a football school. Their football program underwhelms and disappoints all the damn time. Jim Harbaugh is probably the most overrated coach in all of college football. If it was up to me, he'd have been fired probably a year ago, maybe two years ago. How do you go from basically wanting to be a, a football school in, in MSU, what they used to be to them becoming a, a, a perennial powerhouse with Tom Izzo as your, as your basketball coach and becoming a basketball school. How do you end up finding your way back to kind of being a, a football school with Antonio to now being, I don't know what you guys are because your basketball programs on life support, your, your football <laughs> program is, 
I'm not sure what you guys are going to be yet. You, you, you mean, hopefully Mel Tucker takes you in the right direction. So how, how do you handle that? Because well, as Michigan fans, we're trying to figure it out. I think it's a little bit easier to build in basketball. You're only Jams looking for seven, seven <laughs> guys to build. But Michigan State, look, I, I'll give um, you guys have short memories. If there was a season last year, Michigan State was going to be potentially another Final Four candidate. And it, that season got erased. But, you know, in terms of Michigan State, they're always kind of in the middle. And for that short period of time, right around the time the podcast took off, Michigan State got to the elite uh, status in football, got to the college football playoff, where Michigan will probably never sniff in the next. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you move on from Jim Harbaugh. Move on from Jimmy, right? Right. And now they, they got their guy in Jim Harbaugh. But unfortunately, uh, Ohio State got out to such a far lead. They're such so far ahead of the pack right now that it's impossible for Jim Harbaugh and bottom line. I think that, you know, Jim Harbaugh is just not as good a coach as the the, the billing would indicate. And I think that once he gets the quarterback, once he gets everything in order, I do think, you know, he's been successful, but not at, not to the level of expectations. Nine wins every year is fine, but not to satisfy the needs of really hardcore fans that at least want to see one push to Indianapolis one push, but for basketball, look, Juwan Howard, he had years of experience, was a player, was part of the Michigan culture, uh, all that experience in the NBA with titles and with around, you got to remember, he sniffed greatness with Pat Riley and the, the Miami Heat and, and all that time he spent with the NBA players and things like that. So he comes in and he uses this transfer portal wisely and he understands the game, shoot the three, get inside, find guys that can produce. But now to go from Elite Eight, Sweet 16 to Final Four Championship in those crunch time moments, you got to make the play. You got to step it up. You got to find the right guy. You got to find, you know, the right call that will get you over the top. Going to Franz Wagner and Mike Smith, absolutely the wrong move on all fronts. And that's why odds would have told you if you if you told me we're going to Franz Wagner, I'm done. I walk away and I say it's not happening. But let me say this really quick, guys, too. So without Isaiah Levers, which was a crucial blow, they make the Elite Eight and have a chance to win and should have won that Elite Eight matchup against UCLA, obviously. So without Levers, my point is going to be here. So you go to Franz Wagner, don't you? Isn't he your next go-to player? No, I I go to Mike Smith. Okay, so maybe – well, so John just bashed. Did you hear what John just said, though? I I heard what he said. It makes no sense. Those are your two go-to players, and it's not (laughs) – one, it's the other. So how can you even no, say that, John? But you also, I, I watched the game. Wagner was doing I, nothing. Mike Smith, you know, is a. But well, they're still your guys. You want to have them click at some point. You're still believing, hey, right? You have to be. You have to be positive as a coach that these guys are going to get it together. Hey, yeah. Hey, sometimes I'm. Hey, Vito. Sometimes I'm having a good show. Sometimes you're having a good show. But you know, more often times than not, you're not. So I got to step up. But <laughs> Vito, here's the thing. John D. Brown, Hunter Dickinson, with my eyes, I saw were performing. You don't go inside. At Brown least- had a good game. In, in limited minutes, Brown had a good Brown game. A good game. A taste, you know, kind of like when you get rolling and you you don't let me get a word in edgewise. Oh, please, like Tiger's talk this week. Listen to that, Adam, please, by the way, all right? Hear the start of that. I was like, am I even on the podcast? I, I thought it was Tiger's talk with Chirko and company, not Tiger's talk with Macaroon and company, okay? <laughs> I made it that, and, and I gave my retort. I gave my retort, and you know what yeah. I said? I'll repeat it. For those that didn't hear Tiger's talk, which comes out on Wednesdays, I said, you know what? 
I've now taken my rightful place atop of the network. So I'm going to speak whenever I feel like it and I'll address Vito and I'll let, I'll bring you to the floor when it's time. Uh, you know, if Adam would always say, Oh, your head's too big. Your head's too big. Well, I said, you know what? Yeah. In right 2021, I deserve it. I got a name on a head. I got banners galore. I can do whatever I want. So I told Vito, you know what? In 2021, I'm taking my rightful place atop of the network until someone boots me off. And it ain't gonna be Veto. It'll be Adam. It'll be somebody else. It ain't gonna Adam, be Adam. Do it though for me too. <laughs> do it, please. <laughs> I'll do what I can do. I'll see. All right. Veto is funny too. Uh, John wanted to be Miguel Cabrera. I told John you could be Miguel Cabrera now because he met Miguel Cabrera now. I was like the guy can't even really hit anymore. He's right. no longer the triple crown threat or MVP slugger that he used to be. So yeah, John, you could be a has been. Yeah, exactly. I'm the old has been, right? Because <laughs> I mean, he's old. He's washed up. That's why I told my Tiger stuck. He's old and washed up. That's he. It's fitting that he wants to be Miguel Cabrera. It's very applicable to him because of that, <laughs> fellas. Yeah, absolutely. So, Vito, you, you did segue into it. What do you think of the Tigers before we let you go? And talking to Vito Churko here at Vito Jerome on Twitter, esteemed member of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, hope uh, host of Tigers Talk with Churko and Company, dedicated Detroit Tigers baseball podcast. So, you know what? I think the over-under right now is, what, 67 and a half? Or, I think it's 67 and a half. I got to take the under, honestly. As much as I want to be optimistic, you know I love the Detroit Tigers and everything about them, but they're not going to be that good, fellas, this year. And that's clear-cut, and any of us can say that. Like, anybody with a sane mind can state the obvious. The Tigers are not going to be a competitive ball club in 2021. Yet what I'm hoping for and what the Tigers fan base has to hope for, fellas, is the young players taking steps forward. Spencer, Torkelson, Riley Green, the guys at the major league level now, you flip it to that, and Casey Mize, Tarek Skubel, all these different individuals who are young players on their major league roster going into opening day, we want to see them take steps forward now. Because last year, not many individuals did. Willie Castro did a bit. He'll be the starting shortstop this year. Jamer Candelario did. He'll be playing third and first this year. But remember, that was a COVID-abbreviated season. You didn't even play 60 games. This year, 162, how are these guys going to hang in there? Will they be able to hang in there? And that's where my doubts are right now. And as a whole, I would say it's the hitting that really scares me the most. And it's been this way for, for how many years now where the hitting hasn't been quite good enough. The power, the hitting for contact, you name it. And it looks like it'll be an issue once again in 2021. You know, what do you like? You've already set it up. They're going to be bad. I think we all agree they're going to be bad. What are you looking for, though? Like, what is something where you're like, okay, cool. We've got this and we can kind of build on that for 2022. Uh, you know what? Here's a surprise guy who was really good in spring. Akil Badu. This guy came out of nowhere. Rule five draft pick. But in terms of guys that have been on the farm that now are at the major league level, that are these, you know, top prospects. Tarek Skubal, once again. How about Casey Mize? Seeing those guys elevate their respective games, take their games to another level, is going to be hugely crucial this year and beyond. And Mize, remember, wasn't that good a year ago when he first came onto the scene. Had a couple of good outings, actually, against the tough Chicago White Sox, who are the best team in the American League Central, but uh, could be in all of Major League Baseball, too, this season, guys. So that was quite impressive out of Mize a year ago, but he didn't have any kind of consistency in his starts. Tigers have to see that out of him in 2021. And then it's like some of these hitters, Daz Cameron, the likes of guy, Jake Rogers, guy that have been nobody's thus far in their careers. Will they be anything, Adam? 
I don't think so. And that's a sad thing. The sad reality about the Tigers and where they stand that, especially hitting wise, they're not at even close to a respectable level. And then pitchers still room for improvement. And I just hope some other guys take steps as well and can reach the majors this season. Matt Manning, maybe, maybe Joey Wentz, guys like that. Uh, Joe Jimenez gets back to the majors and looks actually good consistently. So there's some youth, some reason for optimism among their farmhands and some other guys uh, at the major league level right now. But collectively, there's still a lot of woes and still a lot of cause for concern. What about Michael Fulmer? Michael Fulmer's, I don't even know what, what his career holds for him at this point. Got beat up by Casey Mize. Talked about how Casey Mize has to find some consistency. What about a guy like Fulmer who's battled back from injury, had Tommy Johns, missed most of last season, and this year kind of finds himself on the outside of the starting rotation? Yeah, he might not even be good enough to be a starting arm anymore. And he's still under 30, could be in the prime of his career, but all these injuries that you already named off, Adam, have really derailed his career. And I don't even know if he'll get back to the starting rotation or be the most effective as a starting arm. He might be a bullpen arm moving forward, which is a sad reality when he won the American League Rookie of the Year Award in 2016. I mean, you could also, though, spin it this way that, hey, that was already five years ago. And five years can be a long time. I mean, five years ago, I was still on the upward trajectory and whatnot. And then I joined you guys with the DSP Network <laughs> in career. So, I mean, it could be that for Michael Fulmer as well. What's happening to him here where he can't be a starting arm again, unfortunately. But no, I mean, realistically here, I would love to see Fulmer regain his form. It's just I have a lot of doubts. I think A.J. Hinch clearly does. Mm-hmm. And that's why he inserted him into the pen to start off this campaign. And I just hope he's effective, at least as a uh, reliever, as a two-inning arm, maybe out of the pen. So a guy that can maybe extend it and, once again, toss multiple innings as a relief arm. Because right now, his potential of becoming a starting arm and an effective one, once again, is not very high. Do you think they repurpose him that way? Put him in the pen, see what happens, and is he effective? I think so, just to try him out. I mean, just to see, I mean, what he can do ultimately as a bullpen arm. And then you give it a little bit of time. And maybe, sure, he does become something as an effective reliever. But I don't know how good a one. I don't know if he becomes a high leverage reliever, which is a guy that pitches in those late innings, you know, in those close games. I don't know if he's good enough to do that either. But I think he'll have more velocity coming out of the pen for the inning or two that he pitches in. And that's the advantage of being a reliever instead of a starting arm two, fellas. So, I view it like that. That's a way of spinning it optimistically for Fulmer in his future. But still, his future, I think, is more bleak than it's positive at this point. Well, that's what's going to happen. I think, I think too, a lot of us are just going to be watching to see the development of a lot of the young arms. How does A.J. Hinch kind of work with some of the new talent? And, obviously, I think I want to see how he uses analytics because, obviously, Ron Gardenhire was a manager a little bit more old school. Now the, the Tigers are embracing analytics. Can they get more out of some of these guys? And, like you said, you know, they got something out of Akil Badu. Uh, potentially speaking, what are they going to get out of some of the young cats, some of the guys that were, you know, that were let go? We got to see some of the young cats start to develop and then the arms so you can hear more of the great baseball analysis from Vito every Wednesday Tigers talk with Churko and company he'll bring on the best baseball guests he's somebody that definitely is in the know follow him on Twitter at Vito Jerome and definitely he does work for SI Alliance covers the Lions and make sure that site is up and running so before we get you out of here Vito what's your favorite moment with the doc and Adam if you have one with Adam 
Well, yeah, well, what a way of putting it there. But no, at Jimmy John's Field with all of us there going to a game, I mean, that was pretty darn fun. So that was off the air per se and after hours where we had a few alcoholic beverages in our respective systems too, but had a ton of fun at the same time. Now, Doc, for you and I specifically, I would say it was when we had, how about Thomas Hitman Hearns in studio a while back, seems like, you know, years and years ago now, and it kind of is, but that was fun. I think exhilarating for you as well, because- I mean, he was like the biggest guest at that point that I think DSP had ever had. And now you just, you've toppled it time and time again, it seems like too. But that was really fun, man. I mean, that was like, God, this guy, he's a world champion boxer. He's in our studio. I felt like, oh my God, like living out a dream. And he was really nice with us too. And then he had his handler, another fellow, had a bunch of individuals that actually joined him in there. Um, it was Pretty cool. Milton McCrory, I believe, was there with us, too, who's played in my charity softball games. And and how about that with you guys as well, you and Adam, being a part of my charity softball games in years past. So I have a lot of fond memories, and and I hope to keep doing these podcasts. And hopefully I get more minutes to speak on Tiger's Talk as well once again moving forward because <laughs> Tiger's Talk with Trickle and Company and not Tiger's Talk with Macaroon and Company. So, All right. I'll yeah. stop. I'll stop hogging the microphone, Vito. Thank you. Follow him on Twitter at Vito Jerome. Our next guest is here. Another guest I'm excited to catch up with. Vito, thank you so much. We'll talk thank soon. All right, buddy. Vito. Thank you, guys. Take care. Good luck, Dennis. Good Adios. <laughs> yeah. Welcoming in as we move along on episode 400. If you remember, if you followed us back in the day, Dennis appeared on episode 99, where we went long and had a good time. And I felt like, you know what? 300 in one episodes is just the right amount of time to bring him back and uh, recap everything that's gone on. He, look, he's the host of the Wrestling Perspective podcast, wildly popular. I tune in every week. It's must listen if you're a fan of wrestling. He's a guy that really is important to us as we joke around uh, about how long it's been since we've had him on as a guest. But he's somebody that we reached out to early when we started this project. And right I think it was episode talked, seven. Yeah, episode seven. And we, we had Dennis on. And afterward, he's like, you know, you guys could do this and this and this. And this is a perfect way to uh, build your platform and get guests and, and do this thing. And all we did was listen to the man. And hey, man, look, Dennis, welcome in. We're here now. Episode 400. Seven years later, we're still doing this. You should have done it in four years. What are you talking about, guys? <laughs> Come on. I am so proud of you that you, you've, you've made it this far. You've invited me on 400. This means so much to me. I am your guys' biggest fan. You know that. I reach out after numerous shows to tell you how awesome that is. I am so proud. Happy 400, boys. Hey, you are the pod father. You are the guy who... Not. Yo, you I are. just recognize talent better than me. That's it. Look, man, from from basically day one, you were the guy who basically were the guiding hand. You were the invisible hand that helped shape and mold this entire network. So without you, I don't know. I don't know if we ever get to 400. I don't know if we get to 100. Honestly, there were points where I almost killed him. I need you to understand that. OK, and it, right. was, it, and it was it was you being like, look, just be consistent. Put it out every day at the same time and just. Keep doing what you're doing, and it'll all work out. And look, 400 episodes later, we're here. You say you're a big fan of us. We are huge fans of you. And your critique and, and your advice really helped shape and mold this podcast. So thank you. I, You know what? I did nothing but see talent, and I knew you guys were going to always be better than me. And I made a lot of the mistakes way before you, and I just told you what mistakes not to make. That was it. That's all I did. 
And, and the best part is now that we're doing video, we'll, we'll share this with you. We haven't done a whole heck of a lot of video podcasts and we saw how awesome yours are. Now, look, we're not going to roll with eight, nine guys. Adam and I like to talk a little bit. We don't want to share that much. So now that we're doing some video podcasting and putting out content that way, we had to have our guy on and let him know how much we love the wrestling show. How's it been going? You've been hitting some big guests last week. Eric Young making news, man. Every week I turn around, you've had Kurt Angle, the biggest names in, in some of the biggest promotions in the country. How's your podcast going? It's 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 one that you must listen to, the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. So you know what? I'm going to give you the 400 inside scoop. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Sometimes. There's a lot of egos I have to deal with and wrangle in to do one show, okay? There's there's Darren McCarty, there's the lead singer from Rancid, there's PD Williams, there's Demetri Young and Jason Kindle. And to wrangle all those egos in to do a wrestling podcast, sometimes pain in the ass. That's got to be tough because that is a it lot is. of egos. I mean, look, I got to deal with John's ego, and that's oh, just one dude. person. <laughs> his ego is massive like sometimes they'll call me they'll be like hi this is john secretary hold for john and now i'm holding for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah right uh, uh, i'm just lucky that you keep answering our phone that's, 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 nobody else calls me guys really nobody else does that's why i answer and, and that's what it was because we never forgot we never forgot those that uh, took our calls and things like that who are some of the guests you've enjoyed talking to man a lot of good stories i really enjoyed the last one with eric young you know, you know what? Eric Young blew me away. And here's what I tell some of these guys off the air is, you know, when they drop big news, they don't have to do it. They choose to drop it with some of you. And you guys know that mm -hmm. when you guys have a guest on and he drops big news and you're like, holy shit, shoot, this guy just told me this. And then you go, he didn't have to. He could have gone anywhere else to tell you any other news. And that's what fans forget is when someone drops news on your show, it means it means something. And you guys are always newsmakers. Let's not talk about me. This is your 400th. And the fans need to know that when news is made, people choose who they want to do it with. And you guys constantly make it, which means you are the choice of, of the guests and the fans. See, I appreciate that because you, your podcast specifically, your wrestling perspective podcast is fantastic. And there are times where I'll be putting together our wrestling show and I have a bunch of different sources that I, that I just kind of gather a bunch of different information and I gather a bunch of different stuff to kind of piece our show together. And continuously, your show is always highlighted as the source for a lot of the news and a lot of the information that makes it to our wrestling podcast. What like, you just talked about bringing guests on and, and them highlighting different news and, and dropping different things, but how do you how do you go about making your podcast right a a comfort zone for your guests? Like, give us give us a little tidbit, a little piece of knowledge here that we can use as we go forward to our next four hundred. So there there are hosts on my show that I cringe sometimes when they ask questions. I'm not going to say who, but sometimes I go, "Oh, did you really just?" And sometimes I go, all right, this is a good question. But when I ask questions, I ask questions of what I want to know. And I, I view myself as a fan. I don't view myself as a podcaster or an insider when it comes to wrestling. And when you start to think like a fan, which is not a bad thing, then the fans want to listen to the things that they would ask a wrestler or a talent. And, and that's how I go about it. Some guys you get on and you just know are going to be dip dings. 
you just know they're not going to give you anything. It's going to be tough. We've had a couple guests like that. I just, I cringe at the end and I like, I don't even want to delete it. There are some shows and I'm sure you guys have that where the guest leaves and you go, that might've been the best show ever. Like all the questions hit, they were engaging and it works and it's so hit or miss. And the more I get and do into these podcasts, the more I have those shows, the more I appreciate them. And that's something I didn't do at the beginning. And that's something I think I urged you guys at the very beginning, stop and smell the roses, enjoy the show Enjoy the guests and appreciate it when it comes because at some point, nobody's going to want to talk to us or listen to us and it's going to happen. And so I do want to ask you this because we started back in 2013. It was a medium that not a lot of people were getting into. There were just maybe a handful. You can count on one hand how many people were doing the podcast weekly and doing this content in this way. Now you've also transitioned to video podcasts, a lot of content that way. Did you think this medium would get to this point? Because once I got into it, once I started connecting with people, I had a huge feeling that within five years, Detroit would take to it. Every market would take to it. Now podcasts are part of every major network. Uh, major companies are looking at podcasts and those in the field that uh, create content as a way to uh, add content to their platform. I just can't speak enough about the, the whole field of, of podcasting audio as a way to get out a message and to have fun conversations with those people you care about in maybe a niche thing or sometimes conversationally. I just can't speak enough about podcasts. I can't wait to see where it goes because at this point in time, it's an unbelievable medium. I'm going to tell you guys something I've never told anybody, and this is 100% serious. I started doing this in 2009. In 2008, maybe no, in 2010 or 11, I got my first gig with ESPN Radio, and Mark the Man Wilson gave me my opportunity, which I will forever be grateful. But between all of us, I lied through my teeth. There might have been 500 people that listen to my podcast tops. And when I reached out to Mark Wilson, I was like, you know, 1,300 people listen to me. It's the biggest pod. And he didn't know what podcasts were. And then I sent him one. He's like, oh, this is radio without commercials. Come on in. And I knew then that the amount of talent out there that us average guys that had a voice that just couldn't get airtime, we were going to take over the market. And we did. Everybody has a voice. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But people love to listen to people. And that's, I, I figured that out pretty early was, you know what? If you just deliver a decent product and you make the fans feel like they're part of it, it will grow. And, and that's really all the medium is, is people listening to people. And look, we also have something in common. Adam told me, he's like, I got this thing in radio. I got a good voice. I can deliver content. He starts doing podcasts. We got to do 50 takes to get through one 12 minute segment. I'm like, what kind of act is this? What kind of resume did you lie to me, bro? But in all fairness to Adam, he is a pretty face. You that's just got to give him that. That's why I kept him around. That's that what I bring. Got better. <laughs> got better. He stuck with me. He was the only one that took my call. I said, okay, so you lied on your resume. You don't really have a lot of talent, but it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll raise you up. <laughs> Andy's family, so he had to take your call. That's right. Actually, I'm pretty sure we hashed this all out at my cousin's uh, or at my niece's birthday party. We're just yeah. sitting around over a couple beers. and was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. You want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I ain't got shit going on, so why not? Let's do it. And look Next thing you know, you. right. 400 episodes later, here we are. Wow. So yeah. we, we, we are a sports show, right? And I do see you have your, your Tigers hoodie on. 
And Tiger's opening day is is what this is dropping on Thursday. So it's today. What are your expectations for this Detroit Tigers team? You're a baseball guy. So I think you're you're a perfect guy to ask this question to. Honestly, just enjoy baseball's back. You know what? Here's what I, I tell a lot of people. I'm a I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I was born in Boston. It was always my team. My grandfather died without seeing a Boston Red Sox championship. You guys have been to World Series. You guys have seen success. But you know what? There's a certain beauty in rebuilding where you see it get scrapped and start from the bottom floor up. And when it succeeds, you feel like you're part of it. And a lot of times this generation of sports fans don't want to put the effort into being a fan on a crappy team. And you know what? There's a beauty in liking a lovable loser. And it it just gets so lost in today's age. Enjoy it. You know what? These are the guys that may go on to be successful somewhere else. But you know what? If you sat in a bar with any of these guys on the roster, they'd take a beer from you. Would Bryce Harper drink a beer from anybody, a fan? No. You go to any other team and they're superstars? No. This is a team that connects with its people. Enjoy it. Roll with it. Win or lose, this is your team. Just enjoy it because at some point you're going to be winning. You'll become snobs and you'll forget what it feels like to go, are they going to win? Are they not? I'm a Patriots fan. Being a Patriots fan, I forgot what it felt like to enjoy a regular season game. And this last season when the Patriots were getting their butt kicked, I loved it. This was the best season I ever had because I didn't know if we were going to win or lose. And I really enjoyed the games more then than I did when we were winning. So I think that's a really good point, what you just said. I think this city and I think this town specifically connects more with that 2006 team than any of those 2012, 2013, 2014 teams, those teams that were expected to make it to the World Series and were expected to win it. Whereas that 2006 team came from out of nowhere. It just all of a sudden something clicked and they found themselves playing in a World Series where they probably should have won it. They didn't. But the fact that they even made it there, it was like, holy cow, minds are blown. And you're right. It's kind of going through that just kind of going through the motions of, yeah, we suck, but it's okay. It's it's going to get better. You can kind of see it. You can see the progression. And you, you brought up your Patriots, right? So there's a team that's basically hit the hard reset button. And last year was that hard reset. You went to free agency this year. You bought up a bunch of guys. And you're hoping that Bill still has a little bit of magic left in that hat. And he can kind of turn a winner uh, into into what that team is now. I, I hope they don't win as a fan, a true blue fan, because I once again, I want to enjoy the games again. You mm-hmm. go back to any Atlanta Braves fan during the height of all their World Series and winning National League championship games, regular season games didn't mean crap to them. They didn't care. They may check at the box score. They may go days without checking it. You know, when it comes to a team that struggles and may make it, may not, that's the games that count. And that's the fan base. And that's how I view the Tigers fans, but they forgot all about that. Go back, love, love your team, whether they win or lose. And, and I, I, same thing with the Lions. You know, I'm excited for the Lions. I'm not a Lions fan. I, I don't hate them. I'm just not a Lions fan, but I'm excited for them because there's hope. And every year, hope breathes an exciting season and enjoy it because at some point, guys, your Lions will be successful. And you'll forget what it feels like to root on when no one else did or no one else believes. And that's the magic of being a fan that people just don't remember anymore. 
Yeah, it's interesting with the Lions. I know Adam will have a thought on it. I'll just uh, throw it to him quickly. It's tough <laughs> because eventually speaking and speaking of anything, you got to have talent. You got to have top end talent at a lot of spots. And it seems like, yes, right now with the Lions, it's square one. Remember, eight of their free agents, one year deals. So they're just right now starting to just build what they call the culture of, hey, do this for us. So we'll see where this goes. But I'm skeptical. I always start, we Adam and I, I think the one thing that unifies us is we start off being skeptical. Show me something first before I start blowing smoke up anyone's ass. But just remember real quick before you shuffle me off and finish your 400th episode without me, which, by the way, congratulations. It takes one player in, in Atlanta. Go back to the Atlanta Braves. It was like Rafael Belliard. Go back to the Tigers. It was Avon Rodriguez. It just takes that one free agent to get other guys to believe. And whether it's a one-year deal or not, I like what the Lions are doing with building on some of this talent. And you see this year more than any other years, you guys are actually bringing in quality talent. Before he gets out of here, he is Dennis Farrell, host of the Wrestling Perspective podcast. He is our pod father. That is what we refer to him as. That's what he saved in my phone as. He is the pod father. Follow him on Twitter at Undisputed DPF. We kind of touched on a little bit. Lions, one-year contracts. There's really no certainty going forward. Do you think this team's successful building this way, especially in the short term? Can I make a wrestling reference here that we made? So you look at Impact Wrestling, right? And mm-hmm. you, sometimes you go, all right, they're the bottom of the tier in wrestling. But you look at what Impact Wrestling stars are making big waves elsewhere. AJ Styles, you got you got all these big names throughout the wrestling. Samoa Joe, they built the youth. They're they're the lily pad. And I think the Lions, what they're going to do is, if they can make two or three of these guys ultra successful, and they go off and make money somewhere else, you'll bring in more younger talent that will come, play their parts out, make their money for a one year deal and live, leave for more contracts. And that's how you start to build a successful, go back to college. You look at some of these college programs like a Gonzaga. What was it? The first year they went to the well, Sweet 16 and then the Elite Eight. Nobody went there. Nobody knew who Gonzaga was. They did it two years in a row. And all of a sudden, they slowly be built themselves up to be powerhouses. And I think that's what the Lions are doing is, hey, we'll go let these guys leave, get paid somewhere else. Because younger guys will come in and want that spot and want that money to go somewhere else eventually. And that's what slowly builds up to build your program up. Well, I can give an analogy real fast. What the Lions are, are, you know, the Sterling Heights, bingo hall, come in for free. We'll, we'll, we'll put a sign out and please come into our building, watch George the Animal Steel fight, you know, another 100-year-old wrestler, and let's see what goes on with it. What we want is to kind of move up into that impact zone. I think if the Lions were impact, we'd be thrilled. Nine wins, get into the playoffs. If they were just impact, we'd be thrilled. Right now, the the Lions are a bingo hall just trying to give out free tickets just to say, hey, we're open. Uh, Sterling Heights Wrestling Palace, come in. So so what you're saying is, right now we're Henry the Ace, but they want to be the flight club. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know that language. (laughs) I do. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, John does it. Wink, wink. (laughs) Right. 
Is that glitter on your shoulder, John? Right. I might want to uh, that well, off. He's a, he's a huge fan of the Coliseum. So, yeah. well, <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, okay. I will, I'll let you guys in. I did read the news. They were trying to, uh, one club in Detroit got in trouble for trying to, uh, not pay for the boxing events. And they got a huge fine because the promoter found out about it and was like, Hey, we charge this much money. He's getting, they're getting sued for a hundred thousand dollars. Cause they just basically ran it on the cable, let people come in. And, uh, uh, no, no, you can't do that. The promoters found out and were like, you can't do that. You can't have people come in. You got to pay the rights fees. <laughs> Everyone's trying to save a buck. Dennis, if you want one day, me and you, we can go to the traffic light. We can go to the flight club. We can go wherever. I want to get a beer with you. We need to catch up. It's been too long. Please. Let's make a date of this guys. I'm all about it. I will text you after the show. You better. My phone's on still. So I'm still waiting for that text six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Adam, we got to hold you up to it. Now, look, maybe. Oh, you know, for sure. Here's the problem. Adam and Dennis want to go when, when everyone's all masked up. Let's just wait a couple more months. Let's get the vaccine rolling. And then the ladies can be without their masks so we can see everything we need to see. You'll not catch anything at Henry the Ace. Okay. Oh, good. Nothing at all. You'll catch a good time. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, no, nothing a penicillin shot can't fix, right? Nine, penicillin. <laughs> yeah. Nine of them. Nine. <laughs> Nine penicillin shots. There you go. Always a good time. Dennis Farrell, great friend of the podcast, family member, someone who was definitely instrumental, took us under his wing and gave us precious advice that we used. And hey, look, I can tell you this. When we started doing the video, hey, you were one of the first people we, re we reached out to and said, hey, we want to talk to you, catch up a little bit. And okay, I promise we won't wait another 300 episodes to call you. We'll definitely do this again at a different time, maybe uh, a little bit after WrestleMania, really catch up on wrestling and talk about what we, what all three of us think about some of the products, because I think you and I, Dennis and Adam have the same opinion on some of the products going on and we'll catch up and share stories uh, uh, in the world of wrestling. My phone is always on, but guys, I am so proud and happy that you've reached 400 episodes this is a milestone that a lot of podcasts don't reach. And I know my time here is up and I got a cold beer waiting on me that I'm dedicating to your 400th. But guys, I am proud of you. I am so happy to call you guys both friends. And you have built something from just a podcast that 10 people listen to, to be an affiliated with Sports Illustrated. People may kind of blink an eye or not, not take notice of that, but that's a huge accomplishment. And that's an accomplishment I'm proud that I know you guys have done in Two hometown boys made good, guys. Appreciate you, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Love you. Appreciate it. Love, love you guys, too. Bye. See you, Dennis. Always good people there. Dennis Farrell, really a good guy. And I think that's partly, before we get to our next guest, I think that's partly how, if you really want to succeed at something, is you have to. And I, I definitely, I think you and I definitely maybe were adverse to that at first, developing relationships. But through mm. that... People connect you with different people. They say, hey, you know, these guys will do this. Hey, you know, uh, and I think with Dennis, we never viewed him as competition. He was a friend and he never, he could have easily just came on our show, talked about like how he said, just gave us the superlatives and uh, gave uh, basically coach speak and, and moved on. But he, this was after the fact, after we were done interviewing, he said, this was fun, guys. You guys made me laugh. You joked around. And he came and he just said, look, try this. I think this will help. And he was willing to share information. And that's really why we have such an affinity. And I think you and I always have an affinity for those that really took a podcast under their wing. Because a lot didn't. A lot yeah. said, you're just a podcast. Leave me alone. Especially early on. You're just a podcast. You're not media. You're not this. You're not worthy of attention. You're not worthy of being a guest. You're not worthy of being credentialed. We're going to put you on probation. We're going to make you sign with somebody. And I think we made enough noise. And remember, part of the podcast is the audio. But the other part that's been fun that you and I, Adam, always get to talk about is 
We're a spot that the fans come to let it rip. Good, bad, trolling, rolling, joking. If there's a game on, and I think what people noticed was in 2013, 14, and 15, whatever was being talked about in the world of sports, you and I were talking about it on our Twitter page at Detroit Podcast. And people remembered that. They remembered that, hey, this is a podcast that cares. And we didn't exclude too many people, even when they were ripping on us or they were talking about things that were maybe a little bit too edgy. We stuck with it. And we, we like you said, I like over 300 comments a day. And, and uh, I read everything and we engage with everybody. And the fact of the matter is I get to express our passion for Detroit sports with the fans, with you, with Vito, with everybody that came on. I think those that got the jokes, I mean, who doesn't love DSP text of the day? Who doesn't love the gifs? Who doesn't love the jokes back and forth with Adam going, what is he saying? What is he talking about? Or Adam going, look, you're just trolling Michigan. Here's the truth. Here's the, I'm going to lay the smack down on you. Uh, big, you know, big asshole over there. Or, or how about like during a, a Michigan, Michigan state football game, wherein ah. improbable things happen in, in Michigan state, it ends up beating Michigan. Oh. And then you get me riled up for two and a half hours. The videos, the joke. You know? it, yeah. It that really was another extension of the podcast. That was a fun. It's really part of it was the broadcast and the Twitter. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, right? So when we started this, the whole thing was we were going to be as unfiltered as possible. We were just going to show up. We were going to let it rip. We were going to talk and we were going to say whatever popped in our head. And there was nobody that was going to censor us. We weren't going to be allowed to be censored. And as things kind of evolved, people were like, Nobody's going to take you serious. Nobody's going to nobody's going to listen to you guys. Nobody's going to nobody's going to believe anything you guys say because you are so uncensored. You're so unfiltered. But we were we were the a voice of the fan for the fan and and that's what we were. We we're, we're just fans. I remember I remember our first episode taking it to my dad and letting my dad listen to it and like just being like, "Hey, give me some honest feedback on this." And forever and a day, the old man was like, "This is horrible. This is the worst shit I've ever listened to." you better go find something else to do because this just isn't going to cut it. You're not any good. And 400 episodes later, I think we've gotten marginally better. You know, I mean, yeah, I think the old man video. can make it through a whole episode, not just a segment now. Yeah, we're doing video. We're punching up guests. We're having a good old time with it. We're connecting with old friends. That's what it, that's what it was all about, really, was for us, was to just have a good time with it and to meet people that were passionate about Detroit sports. And our next guest, I'll share, part of the fun of being in the media now in this day and age, because is the fact that everything is done virtually. So I can sit here in my office in my shorts or just eating pizza, go off a camera. And then uh, I see people that we're familiar with that I've seen around and things like that. And our next guest, Ryan Elke, is great because he put his name in the chat for questions at, at, in the Michigan games. And all of a sudden they just skip them. And then there's me behind him going, oh, this, these guys are great. They realize what you're all about. And uh, I don't message too many people because I don't know how they would take it. But part of my joy is when uh, there's a Michigan State uh, media session, I'm always in there messing around with that, uh, with Ryan, telling him how awful he looks and why is he wearing all these stupid hats and uh, why is he asking these dumb questions? And the best part is he replies back, which is good. So when Michigan State passed me over, he was right there talking shit. Ryan, what's up, baby? Welcome to episode 400. I think it's uh, one of the rare times you've been on. I'm sorry. We should have had you on sooner, but we're trying out this video thing, and so far, so good. Adam and I, you know, people say we had a face for radio, but actually, to be honest, we're not that bad looking. We're not. We're doing a pretty decent job. We're rolling through. The broadcast is still on, and now we're in. There you go. Humility never escapes you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you his head's huge, man. But I mean, you're going to make fun of my... 
You're going to make fun of my hats when Graham Couch is in those same meetings. Yeah. <laughs> which I have a few Graham Couch hats. It's just I can't wear them. So I don't want to be called a copycat. So, but yeah, Michigan just loves to skip my questions. They must have found my Twitter. <laughs> or maybe, they must- maybe they know, maybe they know that, uh, that, that you host uh, the grass is always greener and that's a, that's a strictly Michigan state podcast. Yeah. And they probably found the tweets from like eight years ago where it's just fuck Michigan. They probably, they probably did two ounces of research and are just like, yeah, we're not, a, we're not getting that guy. <laughs> So Ryan's the producer of the X's and Bros Morning Show with Anthony Bellino. Also, one of my former radio partners. And I don't know, man. I like I've missed you. How, how's everything going, man? How you how you doing? It's going good. Just you know, working every morning. Long day today. After yeah. having to be up till whatever time the game got over last night. And yeah, yeah what's that hard. like when you know there's a 10, 10 p.m. tip and then you got to be on the air at six and you know you got to be there early up. What is that like knowing that, oh, my God, it's 12.50 a.m., the game's just wrapping, you got the media session, cut up audio, and then you got to be at the office like at 3.30, 4 o'clock. What's that like? Yeah, sometimes I'll just drive right to Detroit after everything's done and just sleep in studio because if I sleep in, I'm at least at work. So there's no issue there. So it's it's long nights. Um, just a lot of cursing out the NCAA for 10 p.m. weekday tip-offs, especially Monday and Tuesdays. But they'll probably keep it because they got their highest ratings in years for Elite Eight matchups. Yeah, absolutely, which is unfortunate for all of us. I was pretty pissed about that schedule tip time. Wasn't any good. Look, what did you take away from that uh, from that Michigan game? I mean, you watched it. I don't think it was a very good game. I've been very high on Jawan Howard for most of the season, and I feel like he kind of dropped the ball in this game. What were your thoughts? I don't even know if it was Juwan Howard's fault. Like there's, there's open shots. They just weren't falling. A lot of things that went right for Michigan throughout the year just weren't going right for them in that game. Like how many times has Franz hit that wide open three every single time, except last night, how many times is Eli Brooks getting that air ball and it's going right in. Like those are things that went well for Michigan the entire season. And it just didn't go right last night. Like the, the juice just wasn't there for him. So like I cause I thought when Hawkes missed that corner three with 20 seconds left, I was like, all right, Michigan wins this game. Like there's enough turning points where Michigan had the momentum going in their favor. It just wasn't their night. Like the the rim luck just wasn't there for him. So are you feeling like this is the start of the Juwan Howard era? Remember and recall everybody, this is his first appearance. This was his first appearance in the NCAA tournament, took his team to the Elite Eight. Do you think that now with some learning experience and with a highly rated class coming in, that this is going to continue for Michigan and that bigger things, bigger and better things are, are on the way? Yeah, no, they're in a great spot. Like uh, number yeah, number one recruiting class coming in. He has great assistants that have helped him along the way. And you saw like the switch this year. Cause last year they got out to that hot start and then things fizzled out hard. So when they lost to Minnesota, the question was, okay, is this the beginning of the end of the season? Because last year when you lost the game, things torpedoed pretty quick. This year he was able to rebound and rebound after losses pretty well. So I think they're in a good spot. All the national media too loves to talk about, well, he's going to go pro now. His kid's there. He's he's stuck there for at least three more years. So state fans, Ohio State fans, Big Ten fans, he's going to be here for a little bit. Like we we've been through this with Jim Harbaugh for how many years? Like we're 
We're, are we going to try to do it with Juwan Howard now? Can a pro team please take Jim Harbaugh? Is that possible? Anybody not want now. him? Not now. Three years ago, that that could have been it. Like he's going to be on the Hugh, Dra- Hugh Jackson like train of like spinning spin zone everything. Like no, no, no. I did this well. It was other people's fault. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. So watching that game last night, the one thing that I think I took out of it, and maybe it's a maybe it's a learning point for Jawan, uh, because again, he is he's very new at being a head coach. I thought Michigan struggled with that UCLA zone. I think it kind of took him a little bit out of the rhythm. Uh, do you think that if Juwan Howard gets faced with something like UCLA threw at them last night, that he's able to kind of reach into his bag of tricks and he's able to pull out whatever it is, the magic stuff, or like you said, the, the rim luck wasn't there, but sometimes you make your own luck. Do you think Juwan Howard gets better from that loss? You can, but I just think teams that throw zone at you in the tournament, it's always rough no matter who you are as a coach. That's mm-hmm. why Syracuse, no matter what seed they are, is always two to three wins in the tournament because you just don't see zone anymore. So you can try to practice it in two days, but if your player hasn't seen it in eight years, like they're not going to fill that game plan up and know exactly what to do. So it was just bad. It just wasn't his time yet last night. And good for Mick Cronin. I got slack thrown at me on the show this morning for saying I actually like Mick Cronin. I mean, who didn't love him at Cincinnati? I love him kind of being a jackass out in L.A. Like, I think to disrupt all the people out West like that, he's perfect. Now, switching gears here, because you covered Michigan State intently. I know you were there analyzing what happened with Tom Izzo. It was weird, too, because it was my first year really being there day to day. They finally let me in, which I got to share with you. I'm like, (laughs) finally, they let me in for some for some god awful reason. They figured out, hey, I'm actually a a Spartan alum that does care about the program. They let me in and I got a chance to cover them extensively this year. And I got to see a little bit of how Tom Izzo gets down and how the players kind of work through things. The fascinating part was in a lot of the media sessions, Tom Izzo kept saying, I'm not really being myself. I'm not really being the guy that I'm used to being. I got to be careful with what I'm saying. And it all came to a head when he got into it with Gabe Brown. It was an unusual season for Michigan State basketball in that the team never really gelled to the point where they peaked. And basically they peaked after Duke and that was it. They just never really got back to the the way they played then after the COVID situation. So what was your takeaways from the season? And what did you make of Tom Izzo? Because I felt like, you know, one of the times I should have asked, I said, I should have just said, why don't you just beat Tom Izzo? And for the players that can respect the way in which you coach, they'll get better. And if some of the players can't accept tough love, then enter the portal. Welcome. Yeah, I think Izzo's biggest thing this year is that he was trying to just be considerate of what every player is going through. So I think at least 12 of his players contracted COVID since August. So it's hard to say, hey, let's grow, let's do this, when you have 10 kids out of practice now. Then those two come back, two more have to leave. So I think it was just odd that he can never get the entire team in a flow because his entire team was never together until like the last two weeks of the season when he saw they're all together, they're rattling off top five wins like it, it's easy. So I think it was just that where he was just like, all right, I'm going to take a lead on these kids because it's not their fault. And it wasn't their fault that they couldn't be there at practice. They weren't dicking around. They weren't doing this. They were just contracting the virus because that's what happened to everyone. So I think it, it just hit. He finally hit the breaking point where he goes, all right, I think every kid's got it. 
tough love is coming in now. Rocket Watts hits the portal. What was your reaction? I was a little surprised, but not surprised. Like going through the roster, like, you know, every state fan was like, Hey, I hope it's lawyer. I hope it's Kithier. I hope it's this guy because you know, those were the players that just haven't produced their years there. But when you look at rocket Watts season, having to transition from point guard to shooting guard, to point guard, to shooting guard back and forth and just having a struggle to season, like, all right, it makes sense that you're going into the portal. Like we never thought it because we were all hoping you would, jump back to what you were your freshman year and actually shoot above 30% and score more than 10 points for once. So all in all, wasn't surprising. It was nice to see Michigan state fans night, not dog them on Twitter. Like Michigan fans were doing to all their players last night. Just saying, just saying, yep. Adam, <laughs> I knew you're one. Of, I knew you're one of them, but it was just, Hey, best of luck to you. Go play great somewhere else, not in the big 10, you know, it, it, it was just a rough season. So if he feels like he needs a change, go make the change, man. It's college basketball. You're one of what? 1500 kids in the portal. Good luck. And one last thing for me, I'm just curious. Gonzaga takes this thing down. Don't they, they finish undefeated. They're sick, bro. They're just destroying people, not just winning, going out on the court and just executing at such a high level. I'm actually now, I have them in my bracket. I think millions do. I want to see, I want to see this paid off. I want Gonzaga just to win the whole thing. Right. And who doesn't, I mean, there's probably some Michigan fans that didn't want to see Gonzaga win at all because for some reason they thought they were the team of destiny this year. It's like Gonzaga's on their fifth consecutive 30 win season. They're, on their second final four under Mark Few, who's 21 straight seasons in the into the NCAA tournament, the dude's built a powerhouse out of nothing, Gonzaga. And what a final blow would it be to Indiana this week if Gonzaga completes a perfect season? And so we don't have to talk about Indiana University basketball ever again. Like, that'd be great. We can just like, hey, you're Nebraska football. You're like, just go away. We don't need to talk about you anymore. So just be perfect for Gonzaga to just finish it all off. I want to double back to the portal talk in Michigan State. So Michigan State, you're kind of seeing some guys jump in the portal and leave the program. Do you think Tom Izzo, because it doesn't seem like it's a very Izzo-like thing, do you think Tom Izzo ends up hitting the portal and, and getting some of those top recruits that have entered the portal? Do you think this becomes a new thing for Michigan State basketball? I think yes and no. I mean, they already got Tyson Walker out of Northeastern point guard average, 19 points, the 35% three-point shooter. And so that kind of fills in where Rocket Watts is leaving. Walker committed on Saturday. Watts announced a few days later he's transferring, which needed to happen to actually make room. And that's under the assumption that Aaron Henry's going pro because with Henry going pro now they're at their scholarship limit with their three person class coming in. So I know Tom Izzo despises the transfer portal because it's something he doesn't really have to deal with. I mean, Rocket Watts transferring is the first undergraduate transfer leaving Michigan state in the last five years when uh, Javon Bess and Marvin Clark left at the same time. So this guy never has to deal with the transfer portal because he players don't leave. Like they leave for the draft or they, you know, they leave because they're graduating. Other than that, he is, he just recruits and fills in. I mean, so I think players leaving is a little new to him, but right, the, Joey Hauser's on, on the team as well. He came in as a transfer. So I think it's just something he's going to have to adapt with. I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I want to start talking about the Lions. Hey, look, 
one of our most heated conversations ever centered around Matt Stafford. <laughs> um, I, I want to know what was, your reaction to Stafford getting traded was. It was time. Like as much as I love Matt Stafford, I'm a Stafford apologist. I believe that's in my Twitter bio. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of him. You guys love to give me shit about him all the time. I get the DMS. I get the tweets. I see them all. And rightfully so. Like, hey, if you don't like Matt Stafford because he's not winning games, I have no argument there. I just like him as a quarterback. I like him as a dude. Like, uh, so like that, our, our argument kind of ends there because like, well, I want a winner. Okay, fine. We got to find one though. <laughs> like, that's always the argument is like, who's next then? And is Jared Goff next? I mean, I don't think so. But also his resume looks more impressive wins wise than Matthew Stafford. Stats-wise, not so much, but good for Matthew Stafford. Do I hope he wins in L.A.? Sure. It's that jaded thing. It's like you want to see him do well, but you want the Rams to fall apart because that means better draft picks for the team we cheer for in the Lions. So it's, you know, do what you need to do. Also, we don't have to hear from Kelly Stafford anymore. So that was the biggest win out of the trade. All right, I'm not going to dance on his grave, but I'll dance on his grave just a little bit. (laughs) Look, the more you think about it, too, he goes to the organization and they do everything possible to honor this man as a way to make up for Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. They send him to a team out west and then they're like they take the extra capital to take Jared Goff. And they, I think they made the wrong move in terms of restructuring them. They should have just left it as is, let him prove himself. Let's see what he's got. And then you can move on and get your quarterback if, uh, if need be. But for Matthew Stafford to go in and do it that way, when really, if you think about it, all last season, he let his boy crap on the line situation the whole year saying, hey, if they don't win, some team's going to get him. He's on his way out. Dan Orlovsky was chirping from the highest of heavens, and we all know where it was coming from. So for him to do it that way, yes, it helps. Yeah, I think it helps because we got the draft picks. But bottom line, I think the reverence for Matthew Stafford will quickly be erased when a young quarterback comes in with hopefully a semi-decent offensive line, DeAndre Swift, a couple tight ends, and, and some solid receivers, and that can just – manage the game and make a couple more big plays in Stafford. I think you, Adam and I quickly detached because we said in 2015, you ain't winning. You just aren't going to win. And and luckily it took five years, but Stafford said, okay, I'm not going to win. So finally now it might be golf in in a different kind of, of situation where you don't need the quarterback to throw it 50 times. You just hand it off to a couple guys that will do the job and throw it, you know, intermediate routes to, to TJ Hawkinson. Right. And my biggest proponent of always not trading Stafford was his horrendous contract he was under. Yeah. Because at, like five years ago, it's like no one wants that contract. Even if he's even if they win a playoff game, win a division, that's still a lot for a team to finagle in a trade. So for me, it was always like, got to wait two years, got to wait two years and finally hit that mark where it's like, all right, now a team can work in those finances in a short term. So when he's like, all right, I'm ready for a trade. It's like, cool, let's do this. Let's, let's blow the whole damn thing up. Did you put so your hands I, on your head when he got traded and just be like, Oh no, were you upset? Did you need a person? I was just surprised. It was the Rams because he came out and said, I'd like to go to the Rams mm-hmm. because we've seen kind of how the Lions organization has handled Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, where they're like, you want out, mm-hmm. screw you. We're the lions. Leave us alone. With Stafford. It was like, what like do you mean? Oh my God. 
like, oh my God, yes, yes, we'll we'll put you anywhere. And it's like, again, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan, but it's like, I don't care what you ask for. Like, you want to trade, we're going to make the best trade. And from it sounds like what the offer is, this ended up being the best trade out there. Well, great. But I was still a little salty. It's like, why do you get what you want? Well, do you think it was because of everything that happened with guys like Calvin Johnson, like Barry Sanders, and all of that fallout that it just kind of, in the end, right? The Lions are like, okay, cool. We're kind of tired of the negative backlash and we're tired of uh, the front office and the Lions name getting drugged through the mud because Calvin Johnson's done a really, really good job of holding their feet to the fire here. And this was kind of a way of doing some goodwill and trying to clean up their name a little bit. Do you think that played a part in it? I think so. Cause I think Sheila Ford hemp is like, I like where she's at right now as an owner. Grant, she hasn't really done much, but it's just like, all right, you seem a little bit more in the know just of a public perception of where you guys are at to where your other family members just were like, nope, we're the Fords. It's like, yeah, no one really gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like at least Sheila like is like looking outside and just saying like, this doesn't look good for us. And so she's done a, a good job so far of just trying to clean up some some in-house things and what the Lions organization is. Now, we, we you kind of touched on uh, short term, right? And short term contracts. And Jared Goff, obviously on a short term contract here. Uh, I think he'll probably be your quarterback for the next two years. Lions are are doing a what I think is a fantastic job this offseason with signing a ton of dudes uh, to short-term contracts. And I, I want to know, do you think that the Lions can build a competitive winner doing this whole short-term contract, signing guys to one-year deals, uh, at least in the short term here? It's been a word that I've just kicked around 15 times in the matter of one question. Uh, but do you think that they can they can build a winner with uh, signing short-term deals for these players? I think what Brad Holmes is doing is just saying, hey, this roster sucks, and I need two years to draft. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll sign one to two-year deals. Do you see my draft pass? Let me build this team up, and then we can move in into making longer deals. Because right now, we're not doing anything. <laughs> So I like, I like where his head's at and it's hard because like, you know, game hasn't been played. We haven't seen Dan Campbell as a coach, but he's already like the second best GM in town. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think he's done uh, in, in a very short window of time. He's done a lot of great things this week. The NFL announced that they're going to 17 games. Uh, what were your initial thoughts that were you surprised at all? No, the fact that maybe that was only 17. I mean, it's just a money grab. I mean, what else is there? They're not adding in a bi- an extra bye week for the players. They're not expanding playoffs or anything. It's just like, let's cut a crappy preseason game that draws zero money and make it into a lot of money. And this is what the NFL is. It's whatever gets that, whatever they can squeeze a dollar out of, they will. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them going to, to 17 games, especially, like you said, players don't get an extra bye week. So what's the, what's really the point here? It's all a cash grab, and I think this is you kind of see what it is with Roger Goodell, right? It's how many bucks he can ring up for for himself and for the owners. And hey, he represents the owners; he's there, put there by the owners, so that makes sense. That's who he's working for. But at the same point, I don't think it does any good for for a a league that's been 
besieged by different health problems, uh, besieged by players claiming that that the the shield doesn't care about them and that their owners don't care about them. I think this is a huge slap in their face and it'll be interesting to kind of see how this plays out. I don't know if we need a 17th game plus a 17th game doesn't really make any sense to me. I don't like when you build uh, a schedule that's unbalanced. It just doesn't really work. Right. Think of now the they're the game. only professional sports league with an odd number season length and can the NFL just fix how they write contracts? Because I'm tired of having to dig of what the actual contract value is. Like yeah. when Taysom Hill gets four years, 140 million, but in reality, it's worth like 12. It's like, what the hell? Like, can we just make it straight and easy? Like, like baseball contracts. Hey, this is the contract. This is how much they get paid. It's deferred. Boom. They're paid for 20 more years. Can we just cut the shit, NFL? Cut the shit. Absolutely. <laughs> Ryan Elke's been uh, kind enough to join us on the 400th episode. Before we get we, before we get out of here, I'm curious. Anthony Bellino does a great job. High energy guy. I know he's uh, definitely a guy that uh, loves him some Lions, has a relationship there. Tell us about the show. When's it air? How do we listen? And tell us a little bit about Anthony. He's a good guy. Uh, always definitely saying, saying hi and uh, reaching out whenever he can. Good dude. Yeah, Anthony's great. Um, yeah, lives down in Toledo. He's the, you know, the in arena host for Ford field, I believe is his official title. I don't know. He's doing the red zone updates for you. When you're at the lions game, he's the uh, arena announcer for Michigan men's and women's basketball. So he's tied into there also for university of Toledo. So just great. And for him and I to have that MSU Michigan kind of back and forth on the show is nice to have at times at times, by at times, I mean, when Michigan's losing, it's, it's great to have <laughs> <laughs> like when, when during football season, it was wonderful. Uh, but the show, you can listen to it on Michigan sports network.com or live 6am to 9am Monday through Friday. We're on in Toledo, Grand Rapids, Flint, Traverse city, Muskegon, and probably a few other markets that I'm forgetting. You can watch live. If you have Comcast cable, Comcast 900. If you're in Ohio, we're on BCSN. You watch watch us live there, six to nine a.m. Monday through Friday. And Matt, if you're listening, Ryan needs a raise. If not, D- DSP, we'll make it happen. So All Ryan right. does a great job, a great producer. I definitely tune in as much as humanly possible. Great guests, and I enjoy the work that you do, man. Yeah, congrats, guys, on 400 episodes, man. Like I remember, like. A few years ago, I think, Adam, I told you this a few years ago when I was kind of getting into media and starting a few different podcasts, because I was like, there's nothing really talks about Detroit sports. You guys are like the first one that came up that was like, oh, these guys are doing it like good. Thanks. So that means so. a lot. To me. That's all we wanted to do was just do it good enough consistently, develop relationships, have friends. And I appreciate everything you just said, man. And we will do this again. We got to do this again. We're just figuring out the video part. Uh, Adam finally put some makeup on after two years of advice. And I'm very happy that he can finally put him, put himself on camera and look presentable. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm the good looking one out of us too, by the way, follow Ryan's uh, uh, podcast. Grass is always greener. If you're a Michigan state fan, or if you just want to troll Michigan state, it's a strictly a Michigan State podcast. Also, follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan E L underscore K E Y. I like that L key. Uh, so it's a nice plan. His last name there. Also, check him out on X's and Bros Morning Show with Anthony Bellino. Ryan does great work. Hey, 
I love you, man. It's been it's been way too long. We had some great shows. I loved working with you. Uh, so keep up the good work. Nothing but success for you. Bring back DFN. Let's go. <laughs> right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, man, guys. Catch you later. Thanks for having me on. Take it fun. easy, Ryan. Oh, man, cuz look at that. Just an hour and a half flew by. Three amazing guests. We got to do this now. Now that I've mastered it, I uh, obviously got dipped into my wallet and done the upgrade. So there's no time. I mean, you've got the deep pockets. I got to do it. You got that Sports Illustrated money, baby. Yeah, I got to do it for the family. (laughs) You want to have guests like this? Dude, we just rolled into three guests and we could do this now for another two hours. I could definitely do this with what, uh, with the technology, with how this is, even though COVID separated us, I feel like this has been now an amazing journey that we've been on to keep going through the pandemic, to keep thriving, to keep drawing attention, to keep people liking us and stay tuned for Monday because uh, I know I shared a couple weeks ago, Monday, April 5th, it'll just be um, an opportunity to share kind of some of the driving force Monday, April 5th. uh, We'll tease it a little bit. We'll be 18 months in one day. And I'll be very happy to share uh, what goes on there. Because again, this is episode 400. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been, uh, listen, we're sports guys. I knew right away you were a sports guy. I knew right away that this would be fun. And then I knew that we would put our brains together and make it successful. And when Ryan and people that come on say, you know, listen, you might be a pain in the ass, but you're our pain in the ass. And you did a good job. That's all we wanted to do was just do something good. And that was our only goal was not to, to, do any of this stuff. It was just, let's just do good and let's see if people like it. And the blessing is I've liked it. You've liked it. It's been, you know, really all we've said all along is you and I would be drinking, shooting the breeze, talking sports at a bar. We saved money actually just talking shit over the internet and just being able to break down Detroit sports and to share the voice of a lot of people. Our, Our opinions are not that far off from a lot of people. And I think the culminating aspect was we went right to the top when I said three years ago, I'm kicking the door down. We're going to have DSP represented at the Lions when we talk to the owners, when we talk to people, it's always a representation. And so for you to be part of it, to show up at SIL Lions, to do this podcast every week, to have, you know, we've recorded well over 2,500 shows combined with wrestling uh, and everything that we've done and other, and, and the, really the compliment that people will pay indirectly is that they've started their own other networks, other digital outlets, other entities trying to do this in the same way is just an honor to the fact that a lot of people did it back then. And we're one of them and I'm happy it's lasted this long and it's been a great trip, man. 400 in the books, 90 minutes. It just flew by. I want to go another 90. Yeah. Here's to uh 400 more. And uh, hopefully those next 400, I mean, you've got the, the, the SI deep pockets uh, paying for the zoom. So maybe the the next 400, we do nothing but zooms. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if that's that. the case, I got to figure out a new lighting system because <laughs> I look like shit on camera here. I mean, yeah, it's not it's just a, my face. Um, not a problem at all, bro. It's uh, it's more like I said, audio first. Video is going to come out in three to four days, if that. You know, uh, the, the video is always going to be secondary because we're audio guys, but mm-hmm. we want to put it out there. I think you know, let people see our personalities, let people see who was doing this, and. Like I said, Zoom makes it great. We push a button, the guest shows up, and it was great. And I look, we should do it more. Like I said, nowadays, when we have a guest, it's amazing if we could see them. You know, we could have more. We could do shows with Vito all the time. And uh, yeah. And then next week, I'll be in South Carolina. So we'll have an opportunity to record then. And if it doesn't, the blessing is we have options. That's the best part about doing this. We can record it on Zoom. We can record it on Skype. We can do it on the phone. We can do it five, six different ways. You can call me. I can call you. And the blessing was 
to be honest with you, because because you were the radio guy. I just wanted to learn. I was a tech geek. I wanted to learn how does this work? How does this stuff happen? And you know, the blessing. My favorite memory has just been the laughs, the drinks, the nonsense, the the trolling, uh, just developing the relationships and uh, trying new stuff. Like I said, you know, hey, we had a wrestling guest on. Let's let's do a Zoom, push some buttons, and have our friends on. That's what we should do. And uh, four hundred down. We're not going anywhere as long as there's a phone, some internet, and we're both, you know, our hearts beating. We'll be talking shit in Detroit sports. And thank you guys, though, from the bottom of my heart for accepting it and really embracing it and, you know, really messaging on Twitter at Detroit Podcast at Adam RSTROZ, enjoying us and bantering back and forth, making us a small part of the Detroit sports community. That's all I wanted. And then on Monday, I'll share why I went so hard the last year and a half with uh, SI. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. So next week, tune in 401. It's going to be a good show. 400 down, cuz. Proud of you. Proud of you, man. 400 more.